Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us this week. Uh, today in the studio, we got Rob. Hello. We got Logan. And back again, because she just enjoys suffering. We I got do. Jen. Jennifer Bartlett. <laughs> I just I love that your names become Jennifer. Yeah. With uh like ninety percent of the time, me and Rob will say Jen, and then we correct ourselves and just go for the full name because it's more fun to say Jennifer. It's so much fun. And overpronounce it for sure. Basically, once everyone finds out that's how my name is spelled, they're like, "Well, this is how you are called now." This and is I was like, this is now your. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like me being Robbie. People want to call me Robbie. I've never, like, I've never latched onto that one. Yeah, like, that's that's true. You've you've always been Rob, and I don't think I don't think I could ever break away from Rob. Well, people usually, if they if they quote unquote care, not if they quote unquote care, <laughs> it's not so vicious. Yeah, it's not as vicious as it sounds. But <laughs> but if it's something that means something to them, they're like, oh. Would you prefer to be called Robbie? And like, eh, Rob, Robbie, just call me. <laughs> I was gonna say, which one is it? Which one would you rather have? Yeah, that's uh, that's usually what I get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for and I think I feel f- like for some people, it's just a thing of their names are special to them. Sure, mm-hmm. and. And I find that a lot of times comes out of this space of people messing up their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for those of us, like, uh, you know, I get phone calls for, for Miss Robbie Croyle because I have the female spelling of Robbie. Oh, yeah. And so when people call for Miss Robbie Croyle, I'm like, ah, she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. That is funny. I love it. All right. <clears throat> so, real quick, though, uh, we, we wouldn't be footnotes without shortcomings. So, real quick, uh, shortcomings this week. Obviously, we were talking about Roughly Right, and I gave a bunch of examples <laughs> of Roughly Right on Sunday. There was good. the new variation on the bridge. I pointed that one out in the sermon. Uh, and then, and then obviously, with communion, uh, pulled out this this odd tubular instrument that I used to remember how to play. Um, Josh really wanted me to play the trumpet on the bridge part for Come Thou Fount. He's been bugging me for literally forever. I was so proud of you. Um, I was so and proud I was like, of you. I, I just, I was, I wasn't gonna do it. I wasn't gonna do it. I hadn't had time to practice that week. hadn't had time to practice. I wasn't gonna do it that morning. I like saw my trumpet case, and I was like, oh. okay, fine. So I grabbed it. I managed to rehearse it probably. 20 minutes before we started recording things and by rehearse i mean figure out what notes i was supposed to play kind of (laughs) um and it's not and they were weird it's like a weird key for the trumpet so it wasn't even like oh yeah i'm playing in the key of c like this is i've been doing this since fifth grade no it's like in c sharp or whatever key that it was it was really odd notes that you don't play a lot of times how many times have you picked up your trumpet in the last year uh i played at the the homecoming parade and the game in Moscow for U of I's homecoming back in like October. So, so one time that was your second time. Yeah, one time in twelve months. Yeah, 
Yeah. Probably second time in 24 months. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, so this is not a shortcoming. This is a roughly right no. roughly right coming. Yeah, not yeah. a shortcoming. I mean, you yeah. picked up a trumpet and you played a song. I, it, played is a strong word. You 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 little little drummer boy did. I blew it. That that song. <laughs> Well, we'll just leave it right with that, and that is the coupe du jour. We're moving right on here. Oh, that's, yes, we are. We'll come. We'll come back to roughly right. Don't don't you worry. We're we're going to talk about uh, the struggle. The struggle is real. But uh, oh my gosh. so there there were some things that just fun footnote fodder that we wanted to talk about involved in um, Avram's story. <clears throat> also, I think I did actually manage to stay pretty consistent in saying Avram. I might have been saying it wrong the entire time, but by golly, we were consistent. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> with the when we when we look at Avram's story, the the uh, the family lineage in that section there, um, with Terah giving birth to these three sons, and it's listed off in the order of Avram being the first, and then Haran gets la- listed last, which normally would kind of imply that he's the youngest. Um, which is a little bit odd, uh, but there's there's a couple things that we want to point out here. One is this this age issue that we've got with Avram and Sarai, but the bigger thing is that it, it, it mentions Sarai, but then there's Milka and Ishka that get mentioned, and anytime that females show up in the lineages, you got to cue in on this because it's a patriarchal society. If they show up, they're important. Mm-hmm. <coughs> So what we want to do here is dig in a little bit with with Ishka and Milka because Avram says to his his brother uh, Nahor, doing this all off the top of my head here. I'm kind of impressing myself a little bit. Awesome. I'm, I'm, it's about time for me to crash and burn and fail miserably. But uh, Avram says to Nahor, like, let's take let's take what we should take wives, and the this actually calls back to um, Noah when Noah is. Um, taken advantage of by his son Mm -hmm. and then his two other sons come and say let's cover like we should do this it's the same like it's written out the same way of this benevolent act and so it's implied in the text that avram has this idea that they should do this benevolent act by taking on these wives and then it lists off milka and ishka so you'd assume that avram and nahor Mm-hmm. And Avram would be older than Nahor because he's listed first. In fact, it's implied that he's kind of the you know he's the Bahor. Um, it would be implied that he would have first pick, mm-hmm. obviously, and that the two we expect them to marry are Milka and Ishka, which then Avram is married to Sarai. So what's going on here? Right. And it's easy to gloss over this and not think anything. Well, there's a midrash teaching that teaches that Ishka. Avram marries Ishka. We're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Avram marries Sarai, which we don't really know where she came from. Ishka Ishka. and Sarai are the same person. Which you you never know otherwise. So uh, Sarai and Ishka, now the way I've heard it taught is that these names break down. One is a Chaldean name and one is a Hebrew name. And they break down into the same meaning of they both mean my princess. Okay. Now, disclaimer on this. If you look it up in... Where do you look it up, Rob? Just Strong's. It just Yeah, in the Strong's. Uh, in the Strong's, Sarai doesn't 
get no, translated that way. No, Ishka there. doesn't get Ishka doesn't get translated there. Right. Now that I think that might have something to do with like is strong like is it in Chaldean does it mean this and in Hebrew it means something else mm. that could be maybe a little bit of a mess there but the way that I'd heard it taught was that the names actually kind of mean the same thing and this midrash teaching shows us that Ishka is actually Sarai but regardless Avram knows like I said in the sermon Avram knows that she's barren so this so this is kind of like an origin story cuz cuz in the Western world, in the world that I grew up, if you want to introduce me to Abram, you would go to Genesis 12. Yeah. Because Genesis 11 has this genealogy, and genealogies are things that we— They're boring, and we just skip past them. You know, and the Western church has, has traditionally ignored, um, and <clears throat> and yet genealogies can be very fascinating. They, they tell a story— mm-hmm. In how the genealogy is, is laid out, sure. And and if you take the time to compare genealogy to genealogy to genealogy, uh, you will see these patterns come out. It's if you just look at one genealogy, Michael. Yeah, all right. A bunch of people birthed a bunch of people. Cool. Um, Absolutely. But there's there's some hidden treasures in there. Now, sure. what I heard you say is is one we have to understand the patriarchal society. Yeah. That. In the, the, the women... Middle Eastern patriarchal society right. and expectations and those kinds of things. So yeah. uh, if Haran is the oldest brother, then the next oldest needs to take care of his family, his yeah. brother's so family. This is, the, this is the other the other twisty bit. When it's listed, it's listed of Ram, Nahor, Haran. So we'd expect, just by reading that, that Haran would be the youngest. Right. Actually. But then the youngest is married and having kids first. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's right. weird. So either one, that's weird, and this family's weird. And the ages of Abram and... the ages and... Of, of Ram and Sarai, because later we learn that they're about 10 years apart, which, if you do the math, doesn't make sense. Right. Um, but you got to go track that back yeah, and yeah, say, he's okay, older than his brother. And we go back to the genealogy. That doesn't make sense. So actually, here's a theory for you. Haran is the eldest. Yep. Haran then has kids. This is how Sarai or Ishka can end up being 10 years younger than Avram. But okay. he dies prematurely. But he dies prematurely. So Avram becomes the de facto. And he apparently doesn't have a son. Haran does not. Haran does not have a son. Yes. Because that would then, he'd have a line, right? Yes. And the line Abram. would continue through that. And so, so then functionally, Abram becomes the... Becomes the, the Behor. Becomes the Behor, which is the the role of the eldest to carry on the family name, to carry on the family business, to yep. represent to the world the family values, to make the father's name great. Picture Jesus as God's... The Behor. Mm-hmm. Behor, yep. and everything that Jesus is supposed to be, Avram now takes on that role for Haran because Haran has died prematurely. Yep. So, another tied in with this concept of Haran dying prematurely, and this is, you you should catch this if you're reading it. You should be like, wait, wait, that's weird. I thought Haran was a person, not a land. 
because when you read this, Tara is already moving. Like this family's already moving and they're not settling and they're chasing, maybe even moving west towards God, but then they stop and they settle. Why does Tara stop and settle in this land that is called Haran? Oh, Haran does have a son. Does he have a son? His name Lot. Is Lot? I thought that was in the horrors. Oh, well, there you go. See, Lot, I knew the I was son crash of, Her- of Haran. <laughs> All right, so Lot's going to be the Lot's going to be the next one. So somehow, Abram Ooh, still becomes the behor in the eyes of his father because of this, probably because of this benevolent act. Probably, yeah, that would make sense. Of taking care of, yeah. His family. So then, uh, all right. So then, Avram and they're all moving, and they settle in this land of Haran. Mm-hmm. which is named after the dead son right. or has the same name. So possible option that I've heard taught was that Terah, Haran dies. Terah is so stricken over the loss of his son that he then settles and he loses this movement that they previously had going. The and then God calls Abraham or Abram mm-hmm. back to, no, 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 come on. We got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't let this, this grief, this problem stop us from moving on with with the story so possible option there of where they settle and over and over and over in the narrative we see where culture would favor the the eldest the firstborn mm-hmm. god says yeah maybe not maybe not uh king david the lastborn sure uh you know over and over and over again you see this uh with jacob and esau jacob Isaac, there's this kind of second-born lineage. Shem, Ham, and Japheth, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, over and over and over again, God says, you know, it's actually the heart of the person that matters. Not the birth order. Not the birth order. Although, as the eldest, the birth order is important if they have the right heart also, so back off, siblings. (laughs) Just throwing that one down there. Absolutely. Watch out. Watch out. I will cut you. Are are you a firstborn? (laughs) I am a first. Player. Oh yeah. Okay. So, We're all eldest in this room. Yes. <laughs> we know how to fight. Know your role, secondaries. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anyway. Oh. All right. So, but you. This segues into Said a good so, point. So much this humility. <laughs> so much humility and grace was. Woo, in that. So much. <laughs> Very roughly, right? Uh, <laughs> we we only do this from. The basement, because we will avoid all lightning strikes. Properly grounded away from lightning strikes. Uh, so uh, Avram takes Lot. He takes Lot with him. Mm. Why Why does Avram take Lot? Jen, give me your thoughts. Uh, First stab in the dark. Why would Avram take, take Lot? Because Lot was ready to move past the grief. If I mean, if that Ooh. theory of Torah was stuck stopping in his and grief, settling, sure, yeah, then Kay. he was ready to continue on the journey. Possible option. I like that. Well, like asking that question, we need we need a little bit of context of why were you even asking that question in Genesis twelve one. Um, the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country and your kindred." And your father's house to the land that I will show you. Yep. It's implied in there that leave Lot behind. Well, because you're going to leave your kindred. Mm-hmm. You're leaving your kindred. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But Avram takes Lot. 
Okay. But Emily, he's adopted his nephew. That's fine then, right? Well, one of the possibilities is that at this time, Avram is 75. And he's got a barren wife. Who's 65. Um, With at no least in our world, own. that doesn't add up to having lots of kids. Loads oh. of kids. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So he's just going to look around and take what he can get, which would apparently be a load. That would be, yes. He would take a load. I'm, I'm picturing a Boston accent right about now. <laughs> it's it's almost like Irish, but anyway. Poor loot. Or a, a, oh, a Patrick. It's a It's a Upra. A big and a loot. <laughs> a loot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Abram is taken into, into consideration what family does. Family takes sure. care of family. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's probably this wrestling match of, well, I didn't take all my kindred. But I like this nephew. You know, he's and my fave. He's my fave. Yo, I would walk 500 miles. Oh, that's a spoiler for this week. Oh, yes, I would. Oh, I like that song. <laughs> oh, so good. You're oh, welcome. You don't want me singing that. No, no, I don't. That's why I sang that, it. That would not even be. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. That would not be roughly right if I sang so it. It's so it's possible, though, it's possible that he's worried about not having kids, and that's why he takes he takes Lot with him. Bringing the heir along with him. Bringing a, a substitute mm-hmm. substitute heir. Because this is going to be a struggle that we see through the rest of the story is of Ram struggling with this concept of you said you're going to give me kids, mm-hmm. and he has to wait. It's not like an immediate, like, yep, you give me this promise, and then I follow, and now Sarai's knocked up. No, no, that's yeah. not the case. It's a long time before we see, before we see kids, and there's going to be a whole lot of roughly right that occurs. Before that happens. Yep. Um, and I think Abram, Abram is just on the front end of knowing God. Yeah. Like he, he knows enough to worship him, but doesn't, like there's, there, God still needs to fill in the gaps of this is what our relationship's going to look like. Yeah. And so the missteps that, that Arbom takes, I think are the same kinds of missteps that I took when I was first just getting to know God. Like, sure. Like there were times where I thought I needed to help God out. Right. God, you said this was going to happen. I believe you. Let me help you out. Yep. Yeah. And come to find out one God's okay with taking his time to to answer some questions, uh, to 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 bring resolution to certain problems, mm-hmm. and two. <laughs> amazingly enough, he does not need me to help him out. What? That's crazy. Like, he is God. That is wild. He can do what he wants. He could do way more than I could ever think or imagine. Crazy stuff, right? In there. accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Perfect. I feel like I have such good ideas, though, that he should at least take them into consideration, right? Oh, I mean, of course. 
<laughs> but he never does. <laughs> well, maybe he does. Maybe he does. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There you go. So, and that, that's why Roughly Right is such an important concept for us to get, that mm-hmm. starting without knowing the how mm-hmm. is actually what faith looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, and starting a church without knowing all the things that you're going to face as a young church. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, we had no concept of what we had faced. That what we faced this last year is what we'd face. Had right. no idea what was coming down the pike. And so yet and yet God has met us every cool. step. Yeah. Yeah. God does like to meet his needs. Meet our needs, meet meet needs. Um, God does a pretty good job of that. He's a pretty pretty benevolent guy. Now speaking of benevolence, uh <clears throat> we did yet another guest interview this week. And so we are going to cut to that right now and uh this is an interview with jim hicks who is the executive director is that what he's executive, executive director, director yes. of 549 hope or the hope rescue project yes uh hope rescue project no, hope, hope rescue mission hope rescue mission there mission. it is yeah look at me being roughly right <laughs> yikes good job yeah. yikes this is a great interview let's go to it there you go we'll go to that now Well, we are joined with uh, the director or director of 549 Hope, Jim, and your last name is Hicks, correct? It is. All right, Jim Hicks, the director of 549 Hope. And Jim, uh, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit with what you do over there. Great. Yeah, glad to be a part of you guys today. Um, we've lived here in Missoula for 12 years and... Uh, the past 11 years has been involved in a, a, a pastoral role here. And when we transitioned out of that role, uh, our heart for Missoula and for the church really anchored us here. We, we wanted to stay here. Hmm. Uh, the position of executive director for Hope Rescue Mission came open and we applied for it, went through the process, and here we are uh, learning a lot drinking from a fire hose, and uh, <laughs> while while some days are overwhelming, uh, we are really enjoying the challenge. Uh, so, so just let me say that the team that we have there at uh, Hope Rescue Mission, I have just been so impressed with their hearts for God, absolutely, uh, their hearts for the church and their hearts for those that we are serving. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's really, really uh, great to step into a team and just feel like even in, we're in the second, you know, the second of my first 90 days, uh, the second uh, trimester of that, and just to see their hearts. I'm, it's, it's not like, okay, I got to ax a bunch of people. It's it's great. We get to pick up and move forward, and I, I've really enjoyed that as well. Cool, cool. Now, when you say we, this is you and your wife. I uh, I guess the uh, yes yeah, editorial we, but uh, she works at the University of Montana. Okay, uh, but boy, she really she helps me out in many ways too. Of Actually, course. keeping me keeping me sane. Of course, that's important. Absolutely. Yes. 
And I, you know, I want to say that my experience with 549 Hope and Hope Rescue Mission has been phenomenal. Uh, since we've been here, we've leaned on you guys and the expertise that you, you provide. And I've run benevolence programs for larger churches. I know what it takes, and I know that you guys are doing it really, really well. And so as a small organization, and, and maybe even as a, if we ever were a large organization, because I know CLC is a, a fairly large church, uh, I, I can't imagine trying to do this trying to take it away from what you guys are doing. Like, mm. like you're doing it so well. Why would, why would we try to take that over? If it ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it. Absolutely. Yeah. What exactly is 549 Hope for those uh, that might be listening that wouldn't be familiar with, mm-hmm. with what that is? Yeah, great, great question. It, it is a, uh, for lack of a better word, it's a call center. So this, let me start there. It's a, it's a call center that is staffed by paid, uh, uh, and volunteers, but they're, they're trained. And here's the deal about these volunteers. These uh, staff members and volunteers have gone through homelessness, being unsheltered, addictions. Uh, they've been through all of that. And by God's grace, now they're five, seven years out of that nice. and a, a real heart and a passion. So here's, here's how it operates. Somebody calls in, they need some help, uh, rent assistance, uh, they need some help with electricity, food, uh, it, it could be, it's life orientation question sometimes, how do I navigate today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they call in to a, a 549 Hope, and this staff knows how to interpret, like Rob mentioned you can't play a player. So you, you can't pull the wool over the staff's eyes. They know when somebody has given them a true story or, or not. So they call in, uh, explain their need. And from that, the staff has some resources, whether that is uh, financial uh, or otherwise, to help guide them. So let, let me take just a, a, a second to, to talk about that. We are a part of HMIS, H-M-I-S, uh, which is the Homeless Management Information System. It's a nationwide database, but it's focused on your local area. Hmm. Uh, it's used by the city, the county, the state. And so when these people call in, they are admitted into this database. So here in Missoula with the city and county, we have a, a tracking capability to find out what these people are both doing, living, and saying. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's really, it's really helpful. You know, here's some stats from last year. There was uh, 664 people that were helped. The average calls per week were between 125 and 150 calls. When they call in and they ask for benevolence, the the churches across Missoula in in 2019 provided uh, a little under $25,000 to help these folks. Now, the government, we have such a great working relationship with the government, and we are able to find funding. Uh, The government was just under $35,000 in helping people. Hmm. Wow. So then for 2019, uh, one of our... uh, tracking stats is what kind of resources were saved and the resources saved 
uh, for 2019 was $46,888. What that means is there was no money that was used because the need was filled either through mediation, uh, connecting them with somebody or helping them uh, realization of self-resource sure. that, that they could get this done. So um, just so by that, just by working with these people and putting them through kind of, you know, putting them through the proper proper channels, um, being able to the best the best use of resources and the best way to actually meet people's needs. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Here. Yeah, exactly. And, and to me, that's uh, when I learned that number. I mean, that's just incredible. So this is not the government throwing money or the church is throwing money. This is that frontline staff are critical and crucial mm-hmm. in vetting and helping to, to go the, the right way. Absolutely. So just a, a couple more things too about that. Um, diversions, what that means is getting somebody unsheltered into permanent housing. The average was five to six per month that we could get un, in 2019, get people who were unsheltered into mm. permanent housing. Nice. The, pre, the preventions, and that means someone that was on the verge of losing their housing, but through 549 Hope, they were able to stay. That averaged right at six per month. So so what I'm hearing is for every dollar that's donated from the people listening to this podcast, there's almost a three to four to four to one impact. Like we get almost four times the impact off of that one dollar. Because yeah. because the government's also doing their part, but then also through your networking with other organizations, whether it be churches or local agencies. Um, one, we know that the need that's being met actually is a need. We're, we're mm-hmm. pretty dang confident because we're going through a process, which is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, repeat offenders, uh, you know if someone's coming in again because they're in a database and not just your local database, but a national database that connects into uh, the city's and the county's information and what they're doing to help that person. Mm-hmm. And so we have a much broader picture of, of how, whether or not what we're doing to help is actually helping. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I love that. Love that. Yeah. And I, I need to give a shout out to April Seat. I don't know if you've been able to meet April. She's the one that heads 549 Hope. In the city, even though I'm the executive director, uh, some of the people in the city and the county wonder if I work for April. Uh, <laughs> she, she just goes for it. She's, got a, she's built these incredible bridges with the city and the county, which uh, I, you guys, I don't know how you feel, but I love that the church can have good, strong bridges of trust. We have differences, right? We're sure. in the kingdom. Sure. Uh, but I really enjoy these bridges that we do have uh, in working with the city and the county, particularly in this this interesting time that we're in. Absolutely. No, and she's fantastic to work with, uh, bringing so much wisdom to the conversation. And when we work through issues periodically, you know, I know that she's going to chase it down. Yeah. So 
because because some of the problems that we deal with in helping people especially like folks that are like traveling through they're the more complicated ones uh, mm-hmm. in one particular case there was a family that had a blown transmission and that was their home it was a mm-hmm. motor home and so i'm trying to work with um with the mechanic and and just finding out what resources churches had and it it was not a quick resolution and she she saw it through and i really valued that so jim if i was going to uh let's say let's say that i met somebody that was in need of help uh what would the process be that i would direct them to your organization how how does that work and that that's kind of the logan that's kind of the simple joy of it you just say hey call 549 hope and that's what gets the ball rolling. Uh, now, my experience has been if there's some pushback that mm-hmm. they don't want to call, that tells me a couple of things. One, they've probably already called and it isn't really legit. <laughs> they've gotcha. been found out. Um, or they just don't know the vast resources that are there or help that's there. And so you may have to explain that a little bit. So it's yeah, five four nine hope. It's it's really simple, but it's powerful. Just give them a call, and that gets them the, the process going. I love what you guys are able to do there for us as a church. We're going to take care of our body, to 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 the greatest extent possible. Like if we have the ability to handle it, we're going to handle it. Not call five four nine hope in that situation, but when someone comes to us that is just dialing churches, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, or they come walking through the door. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have the ability to know their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna let trust you guys to walk them through that process. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what has uh, what has the effect of COVID nineteen been on what you uh, what you guys are doing over there? Uh, well, I hope, I hope I don't burst into tears like everybody else. Right? COVID is uh, <laughs> COVID's put us in a in a different place. So a, a couple a couple of things. Uh, because here in Montana, the thrift boutique is not considered an essential business. It is in other states. Just want to put that out there. Uh, we've had to close the boutique, and uh, at, but at the same time, we don't want to lay off or furlough our employees. Some of our employees are single parents with kids. They need this income. Uh, And, you know, we do live on kind of a razor's edge, budget-wise, Hope Rescue Mission. Um, Mm -hmm. So this has really kind of stressed things out uh, in in some ways. We've not had to do that yet. Uh, uh, Not had to lay anybody off. We've asked cut back hours and those kinds of things. Um, So we're doing doing our best to, to keep people uh, so, but you know, that's, that's kind of a story around, right? Sure. Um, so, and then the other aspect that's really interesting, uh, we partner with the Pavarello center in, in many ways, but the, the unsheltered and the homeless are not wanting necessarily to go to the Pav hmm. and, and, uh, because of the, uh, the closeness and then the Pav on their hand is doing everything possible to keep the, the correct social distancing. 
So what that has caused is Reserve Street or Broadway Island and uh, to a little bit Ken Williams Trail, uh, an uptick in those encampments, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, the outreach teams have been going down there with different churches. Um, I picked up some tents and tarps yesterday that will be distributed. Uh, So we're trying to help, you know, how do you stay in home when you have no home? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've been trying to help get some tarps and tents to people that during this time they can they can spread out. Um, that takes funding and volunteers, uh, but God's been able to help us meet the needs to to this point. Absolutely. And so you said uh, you've you've had to close down the or close down the boutique, mm-hmm. which is a uh, for those that might not know about it. That's a secondhand store. Uh, similar to Goodwill or something like that. And that helps uh, provide the uh, the funds to pay your volunteers, correct? Right, yeah. It okay. really provides uh, not only for those people that we have working there, but it even mm-hmm. it funds the mission a bit too. It's, yeah. it's been on a, a great, um, it, it's been on a growth pattern as far as cash flow, which is really, really, helpful really wonderful. For your, yeah. yeah, for your organization. Yeah. Um, so with that in with that in mind, um, when our if I was to donate to Five Four Nine Hope, if I was to Hope Rescue Mission, um, if I was to donate to you guys, how would my donation serve and impact others? And and what what are the what are the different what's maybe the uh, specifics that we might need to take into consideration with the COVID stuff going on? If you designate to Five Four Nine Hope, just let me put this out there. Um, I would I would like to ask that 25% of it go to administration because we have to pay our staff, right? Sure. And then the rest of it go to benevolence. If you don't uh, designate it, then it will go to benevolence uh, to help out others. Um, you, you can give to Hope Rescue Mission, and then we as a team will distribute that as is needed. And... <laughs> There's a need there Um, because we also run the Grace House Mm. and that is a women and children's shelter. And it's been a challenge for them in this lockdown. Um, You know, they're they're gals that uh, various ages, various stages of recovery, uh, various stages of life transformation. And our director out there, Danae Hammond, has just done a fabulous job uh, in in helping these gals during the lockdown uh, Mm. because they would normally come in a couple of days a week and help at the boutique. And that gives them some relief, you know, from being uh, all together. Um, So some of the funding would go there. Some of the funding goes to our, our outreach teams that go down to the encampments and uh, again, a great relationship there, familiar faces. Sure. uh, we, you know, tell them, hey, you guys, you're not cleaning up your trash. Uh, quit setting fires. And, and they'll respond uh, mm-hmm. because they know over a period of time when April shows up with a team, we're asking real, uh, legitimate, genuine questions. And we mm-hmm. want to pray with them. Um, so that's, Logan, that's where the money, money goes. It goes into helping all of those, all of those folks. Jim, how many volunteers do you guys have now, and what what does it look like to start to volunteer maybe after this COVID 
restrictions are lifted? Yeah, uh, boy, I do not have a, I don't know, have a, a grip, a grip on how many volunteers we actually have. Uh, Just that many. Let's I love take, it. <laughs> uh, let's take uh, uh, those that go down to Reserve Street. We are working with some other churches, so we have teams almost every day. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure almost every day going down there and checking on things. Mm. Um, so after after this uh, COVID. Uh, and we come out the other side. I mean, my prayer for us, for churches, is that we don't go back to normal. Uh, but we come out the other side having learned some great lessons. Um, you can get a hold of Hope Rescue Mission. We do have a vetting uh, process for volunteers. Uh, it is, you know, a, a little bit of paperwork, but that's all right. <laughs> um, and so then, according to where you would want to volunteer. It could be outreach. It could be data entry. It could be maintenance. It could be, uh, I mean, there's a, in the broad picture, there's a place for everyone from a mechanic to a gardener that could help us out to a counselor, to, to what, whatever administrative help. There's all sure. kinds of ways, but the process is, uh, getting on the website or uh, once we open up again, come down and get those uh, volunteer papers and start filling them out. Cool. Jim, do you have any other closing thoughts that you wanted to add in there or? No, it's, it's other than it's just great to partner with mission Ridge and other churches to uh, see Jesus made famous here in Missoula. Mm. Uh, like we're taught in scripture that we, we pray for the welfare of the city and uh, yep. we all have different views of the city council and government and how things are. Uh, and, and it's okay to have those. But at the end of the day, we as believers, we pray for our city, pray for their prosperity, and pray that we as God's people can do our best absolutely, uh, to point them to Jesus. So thank you as a local church to you guys. Uh, thank you for being out there as well. We're in this together. Absolutely. And Mission Ridge, this is a great way to make a difference in your city. Get involved with 549 Hope, the Hope Rescue Mission. They're doing a fantastic work. We have a value of two to one yeah. volunteers. Two, for every one volunteer we have inside the church, we want to see two volunteers outside the church. And so uh, this is a w great way to live that out. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll uh, link your we'll link your website, and obviously the the phone number is pretty easy to remember, uh, being five four nine hope. If you uh, if you haven't uh, got that memorized now, then you know say what's, it a couple more times. What's the number? I think it's five four nine hope. Five four nine, and then hope. Hope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so could, I so could it's do hope, that. but with a five four nine in front of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Love that. So uh, yeah. So the number's pretty simple to remember. Uh, you can write that one down, but we'll link in, uh, in the show notes, we'll link your website so that people can get, uh, get in contact with you guys too. All right. Thank you very much. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jim. You thank you. Welcome back. That was, uh, lots of good information there about 549 Hope and what they're doing and how you can help them. Um, once again, we'll link their information in the show notes. So give that a give that a look see see where where you can maybe partner with them It'd be good stuff doing some good work all right well let's uh let's wrap up our conversation here with the uh 
the implication this week of can I be a person um, that God partners with? Or that's the question behind the the implication of can I be a person that God pursues? Can I, you know, this is God pursues Abram, mm-hmm. but could could that be me? Right? Question mark. <laughs> yep. Um, and what we saw with the stories this week is that the person that God pursues, the partner that God pursues, is roughly right. Avram right. is not a giant of the faith yet. Like he does not have this all figured out. He makes mistakes. He's imperfect. Um, he doesn't fully trust God. Maybe that was one of the things that I implied from that. And so this this concept then is: Can I, like, obviously none of us are perfect. Uh, if anybody gets close, then it's obviously me. Very, very, <laughs> very, very, very close. So very close. Your humility is what just, just tips you right over the edge. It really gets me right <laughs> up, and then boom. Yes. But uh, so the question is: Can I embrace living roughly right as a value? Like, and especially this is one of our core values at Mission Ridge: is we're going to be a community that is dedicated to being roughly right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I spelled out what all that means. But this concept of can I actually, it's one thing to acknowledge it, but to actually embrace living that out. Right. That's a, that's a little different, you know. So it's a, a di- another level. Mm-hmm. Well, so some people are afraid to come to Christ initially because they're like, uh, he doesn't know what I've done. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. does, and that's exactly why he's pursuing you. Um, and so that, like, for some, that like that initial step is 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 what kind of trips him up. And I, I think actually all of us wrestle through that when we're first coming to Christ. And unless unless you grew up within a in a Christian home, there, there's that experience too, which is I think is a fantastic. Experience, but for some of us, we we came from a pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, upbringing and and made some significant mistakes long before um, being introduced to Christ or or or, or even uh, people that knew Christ, grew up in the church, and then walked away, and then and then the shame just kind of wants to separate you, keep you separated from coming back. And mm-hmm. and so there's that. But then I feel like roughly right becomes hard again. And you know, you talked about the analogy of 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 going from being a senior back to a freshman. Mm-hmm. That was a good and one. there's there's this idea of of I've been doing this for a season. I feel pretty confident with with what I'm doing now, but the next thing God's calling me to it's gonna I'm feel out of like my depth again. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna be a freshman again, and no one likes feeling like a freshman. Do you like being a freshman, Jen? I do not. No, not a comfortable experience. No, not no. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes three in this room that don't like being a freshman. No. I if that has to do with being the oldest. <laughs> no. Oh, touche. That could. That could be. That That's could a be. point. <laughs> yeah. That's a valid point right there. <laughs> Me taking on the role of senior pastor, I was like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. "There's going to be a whole lot of learning going on there." Right. I imagine sure. you being a church planter. Uh, me being in ministry at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 
and then being a church planter and then what no no stop i'd like to get, i'd like to get past the freshman point like i've gone from freshman to all right i'm gonna be a sophomore nope nope now i'm a freshman again what this is this is not fair life is a freshman yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to ministry. Just keeping things fresh. Yeah. The, oh my. The challenge is if we don't move past that fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. we limit our ability to actually experience God. Mm-hmm. Sure. If you if you spend your entire time living in that small pond and you're afraid, because really mm-hmm. that's what roughly right boils down to in my mind is it's <clears throat> it's fear. Mm-hmm. Fear stops you from from living this out perfectionism which is perfectionism is really just wrapped up in fear right i think um because like i'm afraid to not be perfect Mm -hmm. i'm afraid for it to to be anything like those notes weren't right and i could have let that fear well yeah i could have played the correct notes on the guitar or at least had a better shot at it um that was but that's so that's that's actually not fear like there's a reality that you hadn't picked up your trumpet, sure, in in quite some time, and so you're actually living like to me that was when I heard you practicing. I'm going, oh, that's not going to be perfect. And I'm going, and that is actually what makes this redemptive. That mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Logan is willing to to do this knowing that it's not going to be perfect, but knowing that still brings value. Mm -hmm. Knowing that the likelihood of it not being perfect. Cause in my mind, when I pick up the trumpet, like I wasn't setting out to play wrong notes. No, 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 no. They just happened. No. And I was like, son of a, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't (laughs) like you had an unrealistic expectation. Like you knew the potential was high that, that you would miss some notes because it's been, the the muscle memory it's not there is mm-hmm. not there like it yep. like it can be if you pick that thing up every day for the next six months oh if I played that for a if I had practiced like like for a week and built up like that was not a hard not a terribly hard lick and it was like what five notes or something but like repeated if I had practiced that just a little bit more like if I just had some time to put into that that totally could have been perfect. But you did that at a you sacrifice actually for Josh, yeah. To to bless Josh because yeah, he, he had really an idea. That. He really wanted that. He had an idea, and to me that was the redemptive part of it. Mm-hmm. Was that you were willing to be roughly right in front of our people, and and sometimes sometimes it's not just fear. Sometimes it's it's having a a correct perspective of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, like I know that I have to grow into this role as, as, as lead pastor. You, I don't need anybody else to tell me that. I, I know that. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it because I feel God called me to it. And I got community people around me that love me. They're cheering me on. Sure. Yeah. And so, and I know I'm a dork. Like that's what, <laughs> yep, I'm a dork. I'm shocked. Me too. This is this is this is a revelation to me. <laughs> uh, if you don't think if you don't know that I'm a dork, just just watch our Marco Polo channel. Like oh, I'm a Lord dork. Almighty. <laughs> That's my favorite. Can confirm. <laughs> I 
Put a check mark by his name. I love Jesus. <laughs> I got some things figured out when it comes to following Jesus, and I'm a dork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to Mission Ridge. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. And so, like, we got real people sure. that believe in a real God and trust that, that God wants to do cool things in this town. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yep. It's Here we stuff. are. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not going to put up with subpar... Yeah, it's not subpar effort. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the performance may be subpar, and we... And we <laughs> We, we work ourselves over pretty good over subpar performances on our part. Yeah. We can handle that as long as the effort is yep. top notch. And that's yep. what we long for out of right. our people is, is effort that says, this is a God worth pursuing. And what he wants to do in Missoula is worth us chasing after, even if I'm going to look like a freshman. Right. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. Cool. All right. Mm. Well, this has been a delightful episode of Footnotes. <laughs> Once again, glad to have you back, Jen. I'm glad. To I be enjoy here. having you on this. Like, I like being on this. We will have an avatar for oh, our yeah. co-host. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> already, already got the co-host. order put in. Already got the order put in. <laughs> How does so that even? You no, you can tell me later. What? <laughs> How does that work? But. We'll just see it. <laughs> Hasn't well, well. It's a magical little process. It, it just happens. Little. Else we got some yep. gifted people within our body. Let's just say yeah. that it just happens. Magic, magic, magic. Jazz hands and magic. Do you, do you believe in magic? It, wh- what did we tell you about singing? Oh, <laughs> roughly, roughly wrong. <laughs> that was roughly wrong. That was rough and wrong. Oh. <laughs> say good night, Grace. <laughs> good night, Grace. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next week. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes.